Now. My wife one time sang at uh, Valley View Christian Church uh, in Dallas. And after she finished, she was walking back down the aisle. And Denny Slaughter, the preacher, got up and said, if we could just bottle that spirit. And I thought the same thing about Vanessa. Uh, There's some good things going on in this church. There's some good spirit here, some good people. Uh, If you don't hate my sermons... Um, you can go to YouTube and look up my name. There's a whole bunch of sermons there. Uh, you can, they're video. Uh, just starting this year, our church has begun, uh, putting our stuff on Facebook Live and, and then, uh, moving it to YouTube. And uh, I don't know how they're doing it, but I'm glad they're doing it. You know, uh, you have to be young to be able to operate computers, stuff like that. I know a little bit about it, but at least I can email. I've been thinking and reading about uh, what happened to Jesus when he was on earth with uh, his friends, the disciples, don't know if you've thought about it, the transfiguration of Jesus. But what this does, this transfiguration, shows the difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament. If you've read 2 Corinthians chapter 3, You know that when God spoke to Moses face to face, can you imagine speaking face to face with God? You know, face to face with Jesus would be something special, but face to face with God the Father? And when he would come out of the tent, his face was like a beam of light, like a flashlight. Wherever he looked, it was a beam of light. And the people fled from him. They were terrified. And he told them what God had just told him. And then, if you read the 34th chapter of Exodus, you discover that he took a veil and covered his face with a veil. Now, in, in, in Exodus 34, it sounds like he's covering his face so the people won't be afraid. But that's not why he covered it. He covered it because the glory on his face was fading away. And he didn't want the people to see that. Second Corinthians chapter 3, Paul said, The glory on Moses' face was fading away, but the glory on our faces in the spirit realm, which we cannot see, the glory on our faces is getting brighter and brighter and brighter until one day we become like Jesus. Did you know this? Did you know this is what the Christian hope is? That the closer we get to Jesus, the more we become like Him, 
And then one day we will be like he is on the mountain of transfiguration. I just read Luke's rendition of the transfiguration. Luke says, after Jesus' teaching, he says, after about eight days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John up into a mountain. About eight days. Now you read Matthew and Mark, it says after six days. Well, six is about eight. But you got to remember that Luke wasn't an eyewitness. Luke got his information by interviewing people, by talking to people. He starts out his gospel saying it was passed on to him from those who were eyewitnesses of the word. So he is a historian as well as a doctor, and he writes his gospel as accurately as he could perceive. And he knew it was about eight days, but it was actually six. And listen to what Matthew 17 says. If you have your Bible, you can turn there. There's several passages I want to refer to. But this one here is something that shocked the Apostle Peter. And he remembered it the rest of his life. He talks about it in Second Peter chapter 1. Here it is. Matthew 17. It's also in Mark 9. After six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, the brother of James, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. There he was transfigured before them. That word is the Greek word metamorphosis. His face shone like the sun. His clothes became as white as the light. Luke says, white as lightning. Just then, there appeared before them Moses and Elijah talking with Jesus. What were they talking about? Luke tells us they were talking about Jesus' exodus. Isn't that an interesting term? His exodus, his exit, his death. As the Jews were brought out of Egypt in the exodus and set free, Jesus will die and set free the human race. So this, they're talking about his exodus. Well, Luke also says that uh, Moses and Elijah were with Jesus in glory, and they were both, they're all three standing on the mountaintop talking. Why Moses and Elijah? You know, that's the law and the prophets. That's the same thing in the 13th chapter of Revelation. The two witnesses, Moses and Elijah, the law and the prophets. The law and the prophets sum up the entire Old Testament. And when they're talking with Jesus, they fade away like the Old Testament faded away. Jesus is the embodiment of the entire Old Testament. He is the Word of God. And so look what happens. Peter said to Jesus, 
This is a guy that always opens his mouth to exchange feet. Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it's good for us to be here. If you want, I'll put up a, a three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, a bright cloud enveloped them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. Shut up, Peter. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell face down on the ground, terrified. But Jesus came and touched them. Get up, he said. Don't be afraid. When they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus. And Luke said they told no one about what they had seen until later. Now, I want to talk about this idea here, what happens in this passage. In the Old Testament, remember, Moses' face faded away. Second Corinthians 3, Paul says that means the glory of the Old Testament, the glory of the Hebrew Torah, the law, the glory of God's Word revealed to those of old will fade away. It will never cease to exist. But it will fade away. But the New Testament's exact opposite. The New Testament gets brighter and brighter and brighter and brighter. Read Second Corinthians three. The end of the chapter, he says, "Are we we behold with unveiled faces the glory of the Lord, and we reflect that glory until we become brighter and brighter, and we look in the mirror." And we see Jesus looking back at us. In other words, one day we're going to be just like Jesus. Recently I spoke on Jesus teaching that he is the good shepherd. And that's uh, a great passage. And right after that good shepherd passage in John 10, Jesus tells us, that we are God's. Have you read the passage? We are God's. Small g. He quotes Psalm 82. I said, you are God's. And the scripture cannot be broken. So how much more important is it that I am the son of God in a closer relationship with God, but you are God's too. That blew my mind the first time I read that. That we are God's. That you and I, folks, in this room, are divine beings. C.S. Lewis said, if you could see yourself as you really are on the inside, you would want to fall down and worship yourself or run away in horror. In other words, we're something glorious or something monstrous. People who live according to the Spirit, people who follow Jesus, are glorious divine beings. And when the sun and the stars and the moon are gone, we will still be here shining 
Paul says, shining like the stars in the universe. Can you imagine being a God? But we will die like men, Psalm 82 says, because we are both God and man. We are divine beings, but our physical bodies are from this world, and they will die. And the ashes will become ashes and dust to dust. I think of the third chapter of Genesis where the serpent shows up and tempts them to eat the fruit and Afterwards, God comes and says, have you eaten the fruit I told you not to eat? And they said, uh, they blamed each other and finally blamed the serpent. And God said to the serpent, you will eat dust all the days of your life. Ladies and gentlemen, our physical bodies are dust. How many colors of dirt are there in the world? We're made of dirt, Genesis 2. There's white dirt, there's black dirt, brown dirt, yellow dirt, and red dirt. What are the colors of people? Exactly the same. We were all made in the image of God, and we all came from one man and one woman, and we all came from Noah, and we are brothers and sisters, whether we like it or not. God made us that way. We're in the same family. God's family. We are God's children. 1 John chapter chapter 3, verses 1 through 3. Look at the kind of love the Father has given us that we should be called sons of God. And that is what we are. It does not yet appear what we will be. But when He appears, we will be like Him. Did you hear those words? When He appears, we will be like Him. We will see Him as He is. Wow. We're going to be like Jesus. What's Jesus like? Did you see Him when John saw Him on the island of Patmos? Revelation chapter 1. He said, I saw him, his eyes like flames of fire, his hair white like wool, the ancient of days, his face shining like the sun in its strength. Can't look at that. His body glowing like he'd come out of a furnace. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. But he lifted me up. See, if if Jesus is that glorious, what's that mean for you in the next world? This is what's being taught. John says, when he appears, we will be like him, for we will see him as he is. And if you have this hope, ladies and gentlemen, John says in, in the third verse, you must purify yourself. Just as Jesus is pure. This is what the Christian life is. The Christian life is stopping sin. Overcoming sin. Becoming like Jesus.
That's what the word suffering means in the New Testament. Suffering is putting to death the deeds of the flesh. Stop sinning. That's my message. Stop sinning. It's your choice. Jerry Bridges is right in his book, The Pursuit of Holiness. When a Christian sins, it's because he chooses to do so. They almost never accidentally sin. Philippians chapter 3. These Philippians, I love reading the book. These people were Roman citizens over in Macedonia. It was a Roman province, and they were so proud of being Romans. And most of them were retired military from the Roman army. And they would go over there and be proud of being Romans, and they wore Roman togas, and they spoke Latin. They were so proud. We have Roman citizenship, and the Apostle Paul writes them in chapter 3, but our citizenship is in heaven. And we await a Savior from there who will transform our lowly bodies to be like His glorious body. You catch that? He's going to change this old body of mine. I tell my students, at 77, I can do everything I could do when I was 18. It just shows you how pathetic I was at 18. Uh, I still can do some of those things. A little more carefully. I can still run. I can still run wide open. I have a 6'4 nephew, or a grandson that... Uh, Challenged me to a race. I told him I could only run about 75 yards. He said, to that tree over there. I said, okay. And he said, ready, set, go, and took off. I passed him and got there first and then bent over watching for worms. <laughs> you know, body doesn't handle the oxygen the way it used to. It's getting old. I mean, uh, I can see it. I look in the mirror, more gray hair, another wrinkle, another little paunch. My body's getting old. But guess what? The body you live in is not the body you will have in eternity. According to the Apostle Paul, 1 Corinthians 15, the mortal will put on immortality. And the corruptible will put on incorruptibility. And death will be swallowed up in victory. We win. We've already won. But boy, what an incredible promise that we'll be like Jesus. Think about that. Ephesians chapter 2, I'll quit after this. Ephesians chapter 2 starts out saying how bad we used to be. We used to walk in the ways of Satan. We used to follow the ways of the flesh. Whatever we lusted for, we did. We lived like dogs. We did 
you know, a dog wants sex, he has sex. A dog wants to eat, he eats. Uh, and they're lazy. You know, unless they're hooked up to a sled and then they drive you crazy. But imagine if we were like that. We were like animals. Paul says, we lived according to the spirit who is at work in the sons of disobedience. We lived like Satan. I remember back before I was 20 years old, I became a Christian at age 20. And uh, I, was, I was a human pig. I had habits I don't even want to talk about. And God got a hold of me and changed my life from the inside out. I was going the way of destruction, and he took me and turned me into the way everlasting. And I think of Ephesians chapter 2, starting with verse 4. Paul says there that God made us alive with Christ. In other words, when you believed in Jesus, your body, your by faith, your spirit entered into Jesus' body on the cross. You died with Him. That's what Scripture teaches. You died with Jesus. You were buried with Jesus. You were taken down from the cross with Jesus and buried. Have you read Romans 6? You were buried by baptism into His death. You you died, you were buried. And then Paul says in that tomb somehow, you were made alive with Christ. You were raised up with Christ. Three verbs. God made you alive, God raised you up, and God seated you, past tense, in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. If you're in Christ, and Christ is at the right hand of God, you are already there. Watchman Nee in his little book on Ephesians says the Christian doesn't fight for victory. The Christian fights from victory. We've already got it. Cling to the faith. Cling to it. And one day these old bodies will be transformed to be like His glorious body. Beyond our wildest dreams. In the next world, if you want to be somewhere, you'll be there. We'll have instantaneous transportation. We won't have to pack luggage. That's the worst part of going anywhere. Dealing with the luggage. You'll just be there. When Jesus wanted to be in Galilee, he was in Galilee after his resurrection. When he wanted to walk with two guys on the road to Emmaus, five miles outside of Jerusalem, he was there. And then he wasn't. You know, we're going to have an incredible gift. We have it already, we just don't see it. If God could take away the physical eyes, and give us sight into the spirit realm, we would see ourselves as glorious divine beings. Never forget that. That's who you really are. What you appear to be is not what you are. What you are is divine.
glorious, eternal being. Let's pray. Father, you've made us alive with Christ. You've raised us up with Christ. And you've seated us with him in the heavenly realms. Father, I thank you that I got to baptize Mike Hicks two weeks ago. Now he's on the verge of death. We pray that you will bless him and his wife. Keep her strong. And Father, let your spirit bring order and healing everywhere it's needed for your people throughout the world. In Jesus' name, amen.